Deadwood Soundweather. Not safe for work. Not safe for work. Not safe for work. Hey everybody, so the show is coming to an end. Schedules just couldn't work out anymore, and honestly, I basically did this show for about eight and a half years. We went through a name change, it was Montucky Skies, went to pop culture consumption. I got burned out on doing the week-to-week pop culture thing. We went off to do box office battle. Eventually, Carl joined us, which he had done the week-to-week pop culture thing with us for about a year before he took off to California. So the three of us have trod this ground before. When we created the show, it was different than when we started it. If you went back and listened to the early episodes, we used to do certain segments. It all got screwed up because we couldn't record at the same time. We started doing more timely segments more often, and it just slowly went away from the show that I initially wanted to do and that we had all agreed to do. And then we just really had a hard time pulling together to create the show that we all wanted to do. The schedule just absolutely could not work out last week. I got frustrated and decided to quit the show and talked with Carl and Brandon and realized they wanted to quit the show too. It was just a thing that we all felt and nobody was saying it. So there's no hard feelings. I've been friends with these guys for years and years. I will keep being friends with them. I will occasionally record with them. I've got to imagine, but I'm just not going to do week to week anymore. It's too much when I really want the content of the podcast I put out to be very good. And I've got a few irons in the fire. Um, I tease this when I quit a cosmic void, but I can speak a little bit more to it. Right now I'm working with Aaron Donaldson on a podcast that's coming up that's going to be called Fields of Glory. We're going to take apart sports movies and we're going to do that in season so that we can take our time to get it at the exact level that we want it and make sure we've got the Patreon lined up and everything working out well. I've also got two more shows that I'm not ready to talk about yet, but if you follow me on Instagram at redwood underscore sound underscore labs, you will be able to be updated on whatever's going on. Plus, if you just follow me on podcasts, I always talk about it. My recording life is always an open book. So not quitting the podcasting, you just may not hear me until about February which is when Fields of Glory should come out. So in the meantime, I want to thank Carl for helping create the show, showing up week to week. I love how unusual his mind works, even though it could be very frustrating at times. I want to thank Brandon for sticking with me with my whimsies over and over again. I mean, I've been podcasting since 2011. Brandon has been with me all but maybe half of a year of that. And so I appreciate him sticking with me through thick and thin, even though it kind of became apparent he didn't really want to do this anymore. I think we'll be a lot happier as a result. So I do want to talk about Patreon because I'm going to keep it up through the end of the year because we worked really hard on this stuff. And so if you want to get a little bit more of our content before it's too late, I will have all of it up through December and then it's just gone forever. So you can get all of this for five bucks. We would really appreciate it. I for sure will use it on the next project that I'm working on. So if you go to our Patreon site right now, you can find two movie commentaries. One is for the day the earth stood still, which I did with Dennis Small, who is my co-host on In Syndication, also my dad. And I did The Princess Bride with Brandon. 
We got two box office battle episodes, which that's a show that's not available anymore. So you can find the Roger Corman Fantastic Four versus Army of Darkness podcast. You can also find the Doctor Strange TV movie versus the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Really fun episodes, both of them. And you can find Real Roulette where Zach Lakenbrook and I did a premiere episode for it on The Godfather Part 2. So we have a lot of interesting thoughts about that. And of course, you can find four episodes of Not Safe for Network on there that will never air on the podcast proper. When I pull them off of Patreon, that's it. They're gone for good. So if you want them, they are somewhat timeless. I have an IP fantasy draft episode where we go through different franchises and we pick out an antagonist, a protagonist, a sidekick, a weapon that they're using, so on and so forth. It's really fun. We do a lot of arguing. Obviously, you can't really vote on this stuff anymore, but I will say it's up there and it's pretty fun to listen to. We have an episode that's a character lab. So basically, we take a character from a movie and replace them with a character from another movie and see how that plays out. In this particular one, we do Marty McFly swapped out from Back to the Future. So that's a lot of fun going through various beats, especially when we hit Linda Hamilton's character in Terminator 2. It's pretty insane. We also have one we identify the NES boss. So it's kind of a quiz, but it's also just a ton of fun going through it because we were just talking about old 8-bit Nintendo games, essentially. I have another episode where I talk about the largest flops in movie history adjusted for inflation, and there's some really, really interesting history in there. That's one of the best segments I think we've ever done for the show, honestly. I put in a ton of work to that one. So if you want to know some of my best work for Not Safe for Network, you should really check that out. And then... Brandon has a game where you attribute the correct quote to which Spider-Man, so which Spider-Man movie is the quote that you're hearing attributed to. That was kind of fun to play. And then Carl informs us on the exact moment that the show Castle jumped the shark. And then in the fourth episode, we do another character lab. This time we take Neo from the Matrix and swap him out. And in particular, I made a cover for it where you see RoboCop as neo that is because that is my favorite scenario is what if robocop was in the matrix it's definitely really funny it's worth your time brandon has a game where we guess which celebrities are taller than brandon brandon is a short man so it's interesting he gets a lot of short actors and you just have to figure it out i have a segment where we have fun with movie tropes i basically pulled i think 25 movie tropes and then we just examined them and talked about them and made fun of them That one was also a lot of fun. So please, 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 if you cared about the show, if you downloaded the show, do us a favor. Just kick in five bucks. Carl and Brandon will get part of it. It'll go towards my network so that we can continue to make shows because this stuff is really, really time consuming. And I would just like to get something for my time, especially when I'm buying equipment and you know, getting fees from the bank for not having enough money in it. So if you guys could pay for Patreon, I would super appreciate it. You got three months, like it goes at the end of the year. So thank you so much for your support. So let's talk about the show coming up here. It is in three segments and we're going to do a little bit of time travel for these segments. These were ones that I cut for time, but saved because I was like, we can use this somewhere. And I was just sort of waiting for when Brandon or Carl wasn't available for a recording schedule or whatever, I figured I would just plug in a segment. So the first one was when Ian was on a couple of weeks ago. Brandon brought up that he saw Uncharted, which led into this bigger conversation about video game movies. 
which led into all sorts of arenas. We travel a lot of places in 16 minutes, and it's, I think, a pretty good little segment, which is why I hammered it off and, and saved it in a little box. And then the next one was the last time I recorded with Carl. He had a random rant about Spider-Man, which led off once again into random directions. And so I saved that one. That is at the very end of the episode. And Plum in the Middle is one I did with Carl that was initially supposed to be Patreon content. Didn't seem quite right with Patreon. Uh, I like to have more of a point when we do the stuff for Patreon. And this was just more of a stream of consciousness thing. So I set it aside thinking I would use it for some future episode. I never did. And it sat there and it got older. And so there's certain segments where we're talking about the MCU that have dated. And obviously we don't know what's coming down the pike when we start talking about phase four. But I think it's still a fun conversation. And I think it's fun to think about where we were six months ago, which I believe is when we actually recorded that segment. It just kept getting older and older. And so I kept getting more and more hesitant about using it. It's a 40 minute segment. So you got a big show ahead of you. Thank you very much. I love you all. And hopefully I'll see you in Fields of Glory. Welcome to Not Safe for Network. I'm Biggs. I'm Brandon. And I'm Ian. You want to talk about this movie you watch, Brandon? You watch like a, a moldy oldie here, but only because everything moves so fast. Yeah, I mean, it's only like six months old, but it just dropped on Netflix. Tom Holland didn't go through puberty when this dropped. <laughs> he was still talking like this. It's a spot on Tom Holland, dude. Did you see Spider-Man? That's quote, exactly quote, how unquote, he sounded. Spot on. Okay. <laughs> All right. So what do you want to say about Uncharted? That movie was awful in ways I didn't expect it to be awful. Plot was very formulaic, but at a point, it's just like they were using helicopters to fly 1700s sailing pirate ships around, like shooting shooting cannons from the pirate ships. Yeah, don't use that missile on the helicopter. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like Indiana Jones 5, Uncharted. Come on. 1010 oh. is like another Indiana Jones movie. It's fucking badass and made by the director of the Indiana Jones movies. I do remember watching that movie. That movie was pretty solid. I I think the last time I watched it, I was probably in high school. So what, like seven, six years ago or something like that? And what I really liked about it was Spielberg did this really interesting thing. Like Spielberg's really good at composing shots, right? But they would have action sequences that he would have completely unbroken because like in cartoons, they're always trying to like use the visual language that a film typically has, right? But in 1010, it was just like, nope like we're gonna show like 1010 sliding down this thing and then we're gonna show it from crazy angles in an unbroken shot and then we'll show like do a zoom in to like somebody watching him and then like zoom up and see something and then he has like this eight solid minutes where like there's not a single break and it's fucking amazing and you watch it and you're like why don't people think to do this with cartoons it's crazy that it takes somebody from film to be like no no no, we're not gonna do this like a film we're gonna do this like a cartoon but then actually like stick to it it's kind of amazing but i take it there was not any kind of fun trickery in this movie no the i mean it was all about the level of any of the pirates of the caribbean movies Ooh. Yeah. Black guy. <laughs> it kept bothering me when I'm watching it. So there's like two or three factions that are going after these pirate ships. And fucking Mark Wahlberg and Tom Holland are like one of the factions. And then Antonio Banderas and he's got his own team. Antonio Banderas' team like 
they're the evil guys, supposedly. But, like, they ponied up all the money. I don't know if they bought the helicopters or rented the helicopters or owned the helicopters or whatever it was. But, like, they had, like, a set of two Sikorsky helicopters and then a fleet of ships to, like, go to this place in the Philippines and pick up these ships. He put all of this stuff in and they're like, Mark Wahlberg and Tom Holland, like, show up at the very end and, like, steal one of the pirate ships that has all the gold on it, fly off. This actually happened in real life. You would have to have all of this stuff, this transportation set up, all of this stuff, and then, like, two fucking assholes show up and just steal it at the very end, like... You would have to hire a whole team of CGI artists, storyboard everything. (laughs) That's so much fucking work, and then they just swoop in and take the treasure? I think it ends with them flying the helicopter with a ship underneath off into the distance but i'm like where are they going with this if they land somewhere in the philippines all that becomes a property of the philippines as soon as they land so what's the whole point of this you're assuming that they're doing this legally <laughs> but i would but say I, the no, second but I, they, they, they actually it, like legal so many like huge fucking plot holes that just pissed me off was it true to the uncharted games I have no idea. I've never played it. <laughs> I uh, I was not a uh, PlayStation kid growing up. I never played any of the Uncharted. I watched a lot of YouTube videos on them, and I can only imagine that it just transferred over into the worst action movie of all time. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the first Mortal Kombat movie is still out there. I'm just saying. <laughs> like There's if, like whoa, five whoa, of them now. Doom is out there as well. Let's remember that one, too. I, I never feel... watched that one. You don't need to. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> that was kind of my assumption at the time i see a video game property and i'm just like nope the sonic movie was pretty solid for being a video game movie it might still not be that great but in comparison to every other video game movie it was pretty good same thing with like detective pikachu in my opinion i gotta say i found those movies pretty charming dude detective no no i didn't watch either of them I fuck video game movies. oh my god dude <laughs> Okay, so like Detective Pikachu was cute. Like I really liked it. the The scene where they're on the mountains and then the mountains are end up being Torterra's. Dude, in the theater, I like was mind blown. I loved that scene so much. Biggs over here, yeah, blank stare. The thing is, is like Ryan Reynolds isn't really a draw for me. (laughs) That's fine. Like (laughs) that seemed to be the. So you're not going to be watching RIPD two. Fuck no, I didn't even know he was in that. Yeah, I saw that. No, he's not going to be in that. Neither Jeff Bridges or Ryan Reynolds is going to be in. And they announced like a day or two ago that they're making an RIPD2, which is going to be a direct-to-video Okay, that makes more sense because I saw that they were making it and I saw a thing with Jeff Bridges on it. And I was just like, why are they making a part two? Like the first one lost all the money. Why would they make another one? Straight to video, that makes sense to me. Maybe some people found it on video, but I think I know one person who will stand for RIPD. Everything about it looked terrible. <laughs> and we've gone off a video game movie, so you don't have to be upset, Ian. Like, are you aware no. of the RIPD? Oh, dude, the I idea is like, never watched it. The never idea, watched it. <laughs> apparently, is we're going to do Men in Black, but with like ghosts instead of aliens. Pretty Fuck much. that shit, dude. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't need that. No. Did you watch it? No. So I'm the only one in the room that has watched it. All right. So what did you think about the first one? I liked it better than Uncharted. (laughs) Already a super high bar. Okay. So we know that the bottom is half a star now. So like how many stars would you give it? A star and a half. 
Okay, so a full like, star above Uncharted. Yeah. Is Uncharted a half star movie? Yeah. That bad, huh? So, yeah. If just, you could it, go to zero stars, would you for Uncharted? <laughs> no, I wouldn't go that far. Like, some of the stuff where they're flying the helicopters around with the pirate ships, if I was playing that in a video game, that would be cool as hell. Between all the islands and stuff, that would be a fun video game. A movie is ridiculous what's the worst movie you remember seeing or at least the one you hate the most and i don't mean like so bad it's good just like an actively terrible movie the donkey kong movie they made a donkey kong movie it was terrible it was dude okay Wait, so was it like, donkey kong or rampage it was donkey kong okay okay all right. so i remember watching this movie when i was a kid i was like four or five i think and i loved it i had no idea what was going on but i loved it i watched it again when i was 21 at a party <laughs> at a party we were getting together to watch terrible movies and i went first and i put on this two and a half hour two and a half hours oh boy it might have been it might have been two hours it was long does I just, it have mario in it no no it's donkey kong diddy kong uh the Oh man, I can't remember the. So it's all the. the it's all the cons. It's all the cons. Yeah. Is there Donkey Kong Jr.? No. What the fuck, dude? He has his own game. However, it's a musical. Oh god. Oh <laughs> yeah. Terrible. It w- it's so bad. The choreography is terrible. The model. It's like this terrible claymation computer style. It's so hard to describe. Choreography was so stiff with it. Oh man. Who's the hero? I mean Donkey Kong. Like okay, who's the villain? King K. Rule. Should be Mario. I'm very disappointed. No, no, like, <laughs> like the original a... the original Donkey Kong, like Mario. Well, actually, okay, Mario's the hero in the first one. Donkey Kong Jr. Donkey Kong's in a cage. Donkey Kong Jr. is going to help him. Mario's got that key. Mario's the bad guy in that one. It's the one time I remember Mario taking a villain turn, except for in Punch Out whenever he counts me out in a knockout fuck mario in those <laughs> cases and dr mario dude you don't have to throw all those tablets in there you should be really hoping that the person is going to heal you don't need to be like flinging so many pills that they like come out of the bottle and stack up and they're the wrong pills like that's just malpractice my friend <laughs> donkey kong locking him up i get it apes can be dangerous i kind of understand that to a he degree totally kidnapped somebody too you can't forget that well he kidnapped an ape <laughs> he kid- no. who was trying to kill him with barrels oh i thought you were talking about donkey kong's perspective oh i'm talking about mario oh, like that, oh man i'm trying to Oops. think of the, the the villain turns mario has taken but i think it's just those i can't think of anything else well, i, I mean, guess like... mario kart when somebody else is playing him and throws a turtle shell at me fuck you mario there is the snippet in one of the mario like guidebooks that come with the game where it's like oh yeah the blocks are actually inhabitants of the mushroom kingdom that were turned into blocks by bowser's magic or whatever and so i mean technically mario's a mass murderer if you think about it that way dude this shit is insane if you ever read like the 8-bit nintendo booklets they used to come with whole booklets oh yeah because we didn't have the like press b to like at the beginning to tell you how to play the game like we had a booklet that told you and anytime you got into the story it was just like what that's what you get out of this? Like, <laughs> I just saw some weird squares and they were orange. And I know those orange ones I got to jump onto. I got to say the worst movie I've ever seen. So I don't know the title of it. 
But I went inside at the Myrna Loy. I was doing this podcast called The Thin Men, which was the official podcast for the Myrna Loy. And I went and watched this independent movie that was made in Montana. And it was so bad that Zach and I were just like, we're not going to review it because it's like a bad look to rip on somebody who clearly only spent like maybe $300 on the movie. But they padded it out to be 90 minutes so that they could get into all these festivals. So I'm not making this up. There is one scene where this lady decides that she's going to move from Montana and she's in Missoula. They do this establishing shot of a house with a truck and you see her put a box in it and then she walks into the house and you wait like another two minutes and then she comes out puts another box in it this is from across the street then she gets in the truck and then she starts it up and then she waits for traffic and then she pulls out into traffic and leaves and then it hangs there for another 30 seconds it was a total of a two minute shot and i'm like no like you show that to establish we're at a house with a truck that's all you see of that then you see her like in the cab pulling away looking wistfully or whatever that's it dude that's all you need from that that's like 10 seconds maximum it was nuts dude it was so awful it was just terrible but it, it was just bad karma to like rip on it on a podcast so i've waited a few years <laughs> but fuck you guys if you listen to this you're terrible filmmakers. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> you're not good at it don't try it anymore you're done you're done Go or at home. least like make like a hundred movies on youtube before you unleash them onto the theaters again <laughs> you know what i mean like get good at your craft there's no excuse anymore you can make a movie with your phone like practice 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 all right what's the worst one you've seen brandon like what would you say is the worst of the worst i've seen so many bad movies well, what's um, a bad one that sticks out johnny mnemonic, johnny that, mnemonic. it's a tie between that or uh lawnmower man do lawnmower man seem like it was gonna be so cool when it came out and then it was just like what like yeah especially like reading the the short story like <laughs> you're like what what does this have to do with the other are you familiar with either of these ian not even okay. a little bit okay the movie we're talking about is about this guy who mows lawns for a living he is developmentally delayed okay so he's not a smart man, but he does know what love is. And he's got kind of a crush on this lady and he like mows lawns for her. And then Pierce Brosnan is a scientist who's using virtual reality. Virtual reality. And he puts it on this guy. And it's of 1993. Yes. And it starts to make him smarter and smarter. And then the guy is like, of course, banging the girl that he's mowing lawns for. But he becomes so smart. Eventually, he figures out that he can go into the internet and then decides he's going to take over the entire world through the phone lines it's fucking ridiculous dude it's so dumb and it misunderstands computers at every length like everything you can do wrong with a computer like super fast typing and then like you know it shows a whole animation coming up and like all of that kind of bullshit now the stephen king story that it was based on because this was stephen king's lawnmower man when it came out so the short story is about this guy has this lawn and he lets it go for way too long and it's so high that there's all this wildlife and stuff in his backyard. Like he says, it's like five or six feet high because he's just let it go for years. So finally he hires this lawnmower man that he sees in an ad to take care of it. So it's this guy who's got three toes and he's kind of overweight. 
and he goes out in the lawn and just starts eating the lawn. And then he's like eating all the animals, like all bloody while they're like in the lawn. And then the guy goes to stop him and then he eats the guy until he eats everything and then like goes on to the next job. That's a fucking story that they base this <laughs> off of. What the So Stephen King fucking sued the shit out of him. They had to pay a bunch of money to him. And for take it, his name and off the take title. his name off of the title. But then when it came out on like DVD, they just like slapped his name right back onto that title <laughs> even though it was illegal <laughs> oh my god because nobody was gonna buy it dude <laughs> you put Stephen King on there there's like a baseline of people who even love Stephen King and don't want to watch a bad thing but they see his name on it and they're like well I'll check this out you know that, they knew it was the only way to sell it <laughs> there's no other way to sell it <laughs> Okay, so you had some thoughts on The Eternals now that it's been sitting on Disney Plus for a little bit. You revisited it, and you had some evolved thought on it. Yeah, I'm doing the same thing with this movie that I did with Shazam. I can't seem to settle on an opinion of this movie. Both of these movies, when the first time I watched them in the theater, I was entertained for the whole time. Big part of it was that I didn't know what was going to happen next, so I was like interested to find out what was going to happen next. Once I saw the movie, the second time I watched both of these movies, the flaws were much more apparent because I was more concerned with, oh, what's going to happen next and less concerned with evaluating what I was watching, I think is a big thing. With Shazam, like the second time I watched it, it felt like every single scene in that movie went on for like five minutes too long. <laughs> it's hard to explain, but it was just like, man, they're really dragging ass getting. And then like the last 15 minutes has so much plot development that it's like very uneven pacing with this movie the entire premise of it bothers me and one of the big things is that you've got these eternals they have all of these specialized powers right well sort of some of them have powers some of them just have weapons but the impression that you are given is that these powers were intentional Sprite's ability to create illusions had an intent behind it. Ajax's ability to heal had an intent behind it. Fastos's ability to invent things had an intent behind it. The goal of Sprite's abilities is to like teach the native population of whatever planet they're on to dream or whatever. The first issue that I have with this is that they have a secret agenda, which is not to enhance the local population, but just to reach a critical mass population-wise. It's not a matter of how sophisticated are these people in their souls, like how much do they care about music, how much do they care about art, and how much do they love their fellow humans. It's how many humans are on this planet to reach an energy threshold to allow a celestial to be born. So the purpose of Festos does kind of make sense because they're being given technological advancements that allow them to survive and procreate and spread across the planet. That makes sense. But Sprite's power only makes sense if the original plan that was a lie is a real plan. That power only has a purpose if the original plan is a real plan. And it's not. 
The other thing is that they are given their powers supposedly with a reason, but then they're told not to use their power. Like Druig specifically, his power is like mind control, right? He's ostensibly given this power with a purpose, but then he's told not to use it. And it's like, for what's the purpose of his existence then if there's no right way to use this power? I mean, there is a right way to use the power if you don't care about humanity thriving as a species. But you're just trying to control them to the point where they're not going to kill themselves off before they reach critical mass and you can then kill all of them to birth a celestial. The robots are given a purpose that's not their actual purpose and they're given all these powers to ostensibly advance that purpose that's not actually their purpose. And it's just like for a celestial to be this like near omnipotent being with this lofty goal seems like there's a lot of shallow pettiness involved in the the plan of a celestial. <laughs> it kind of ruins it for me. There's a story J. Michael Straczynski wrote called Rising Stars, and it's got a very similar premise where all the superheroes that exist on Earth were all created in one event, and they all have powers. Some of them have the same powers, and some of them have very specific powers. But as the story progresses, it turns out that all of these different people, their powers have a purpose. And the reason why it all goes to hell is because they're never told what their purpose is. So they kind of go off the rails. But eventually they get their shit together. And it doesn't hurt that every time a powered person dies, their residual power gets spread to the other ones, increasing their power in order to fulfill the, the goal. So there was this big burst of light that came to Earth and caused life to form in the first place, right? And it started to go in the right direction, but then it started to go in the wrong direction. And so the light that creates the superheroes is like a correction of sorts. And it's not pre super precise, so it kind of goes off the rails for a while. But eventually it like coalesces and, and Earth is like saved. And then the final act of the final superhero is to basically build this massive spaceship that shoots off into space and perpetuates the cycle. It shows the light from the spaceship is arriving on a new planet of aliens, and you are given the impression that the cycle is now continuing. It was a successful thing. And even though there was a lot of sacrifice and pain in the journey of all the Rising Stars characters, like ultimately everything was successful. And so it was like, there's catharsis there. This is just a mess. I was saying how sloppy Spider-Man was constantly and how I can't get off of how sloppy Spider-Man. This is as sloppy as Spider-Man. It's just like way less. Let's just lean into the sloppiness and have as much fun with it as we possibly can. Let's let it be sloppy because we're having fun. This was like it's sloppy and it's high minded and like trying to like teach us something and it comes off as like sloppy and pretentious where Spider-Man is sloppy and goofy and fun and silly and kind of a dummy and you like it. It's like a big circus bear balancing on a ball and you're just like, that's fucking ridiculous, but it's fucking amazing. And I love it. This is like, I don't know. It's like it's the same bear, but it winds up mauling somebody. It's like. Yeah, the bear's on the ball and you're like, this is great. And then the bear's like, oh, by the way, uh, did you know that jet fuel can't melt steel beams or some shit? I don't know. Maybe that's not a good. <laughs> that's probably not right. But I don't know. It's just different. It's like there was some humor that there was a line when they're like referencing the other Avengers when they're sitting at the dinner table 
and like their banter and like it's all terrible it's terrible like they have there's not a lot of chemistry between the characters in this show i liked the chemistry between uh between thena angelina jolie and uh gilgamesh i forget the actor that plays gilgamesh but those two are great together um but man icarus is irritating and sprite is irritating and cersei is kind of nothing and Kingo is great. And God damn, I, think I he's can't my remember favorite. who any of these characters are. <laughs> uh, King, uh, so Athena was Angelina Jolie. Right. Uh, uh, Cersei is the main character lady, the one who also has the most powerful ability out of all of them. And they act like she's the weakest one. And it's like, no, nah, dude, she can turn a rock into fucking air. She could turn any of these. She could touch Icarus and turn him into a fucking tree if she wanted. And she eventually does like turn an entire celestial into marble or whatever. Come on. man! <laughs> like these people are approaching their powers like they are generic superheroes when they should be approaching their powers like they are eternal fucking beings, like 7,000-year-old synthetic beings with all this accumulated knowledge. There is a line that Kingo, and Kingo is uh, Kamal Nanjiani. Kingo has a line where when Thor was a kid, he used to follow him around, and now he won't return his calls, which I guess is a funny line. I It didn't really make me laugh when I heard it the second time. I think it probably made me laugh when I heard it in the theater, but this time it didn't make me laugh. And also I was like, that fucking breaks shit. Like so, Thor knows that the Eternals exist. I and he didn't that. be like, where's Kingo? We we got to fight these fucking uh, Thanos guy. Where's this guy that I used to follow around when I was a kid? Thor's not like a high thinker, though. Ah, He's a doer. I think that it's what's more, what's more makes more sense to me is that they didn't think that line through at all and they oh, just I let agree, it go through but <laughs> i'm giving it an yeah. excuse i mean <laughs> the line in in the avengers endgame infinity war where he talks about how he took groot in college like that's also a throwaway line that kind of breaks the the world how does it break the world because that's not why groot says i am groot all the time it's mcu though they get to <laughs> rewrite stuff to their own purposes it's yeah, it I could also like be it. Thor trying to look smart. <laughs> it could be him it lying. Sound, I think he's lying. I think he's lying. And I, I will actually, I will buy that as like an explanation that he's just lying. Because I think that actually happens a lot more than we like to think. We like to take everything that characters say in these movies at face value. And I think that there's a lot more instances where characters are just talking out their ass to achieve some other goal like just to like you said just to look cool just to be like oh yeah that's cool <laughs> but uh yeah oh, these movies <laughs> so i think part of the problems with the eternals is they break from the marvel playbook and then they try to go back into it but it doesn't work because they've set up a different thing and i think that's part of the problem of getting somebody like Joey Clow to direct it and this is not this is not <laughs> shade on her but i'm sorry but <laughs> you're going to really enjoy going back and listening to this cuz you you swapped the swapped the first parts of her name and you said Zoe Clow instead of Chloe Zhao. Oh. <laughs> and Zoe. <laughs> yeah, that, I like That's to address amazing. everybody like they're in gym class. You just flip their name, yeah. the first parts of their name. I would be Barl Corneman. <laughs> 
anyway. <laughs> anyway, that's the danger of getting somebody like that is she's going to be more interested in the big idea and not as much with the minutia. And it does feel like they didn't think a lot of the minutia through. Like, I still maintain what I liked about it was the big idea about it. And so yeah. I was able to forgive a lot of the lesser stuff. As I am with most of this stuff, I think people take it too seriously sometimes and this is not an indication towards you but you see it all the time when people are trying to like break down things from the most minute detail of a marvel movie same with star wars is just because people are so into the world but it's not something that makes you rethink who you are as a human being or anything like that it's just it's a carnival ride like it really is like yeah scorsese is kind of right about that like it is like an amusement park ride and i love the ride like i enjoy the ride so if i can find something that i really enjoy from it i forgive a lot of the problems with it but i see where you're going with eternals but it's also why i don't rewatch mcu movies a whole lot like i've noticed it's not just you. Like I've noticed I mean, a lot I of do. people. I rewatch Marvel <laughs> movies. I just put them on in the background. I After feel I like, finished I feel Eternals, like I rewatched uh, Civil War. There, there's a few that I rewatch, you know, but most of them I don't because I feel like it kind of served its purpose already. I went to the theater. I had that moment. I really, really enjoyed it. And I know as soon as I put it on my smaller TV and there's not this like wow factor with the crowd that it's just going to be lesser. Like it just is. It's already lesser in scope because I'm watching it in my living room. And then you start to like really pay attention to the writing of the things, which isn't always stellar. Right. Well, I think with Eternals, the thing that triggered me this time was realizing how similar it was to Rising Stars. Being such a big fan of Rising Stars, like it's one of my favorite non-DC, non-MC, like standalone comics. It's one of my favorites of all time. It stands completely alone. It's its own self-contained story. It's brilliant. J. Michael Straczynski is a brilliant writer. Like, I think he's on par with, like, Grant Morrison, honestly. He also, like, famously created uh, Babylon 5. So the thing about Babylon 5 that's that I'll never stop saying is awesome, even though the show itself is it's not, not awesome. awesome. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and... The first season really is very rough. Once you get past season one, like the show really tightens up in a really good way. But this is the thing. When he pitched Babylon 5, he said, I've got five seasons. This is a five season show. It's got an arc that is spread over five seasons. If I can't do the whole thing, I don't want to do it at all. But I have the entire thing conceived of now. Can I give There's, quick context to that too? Not only, well, like, I just want to address the, the how thorough he was, was that he had characters that he was like, I really want this character to be in the show from beginning to end. But I have taken into account that sometimes shit happens. And he created what he called trap door characters, where there were like, if an actor gets sick, has scheduling conflicts, doesn't work out and needs to be cut from the show. He has narrative threads that he can move the focus from one character to another. Or like if one character dropped out, another character could step forward and take on their role in the overall story. He had that all fucking worked out ahead of time. He actually had to do that because in the first season, the main character quit and had to be replaced by another character. But he had that all planned out already. And then another lady didn't I don't think she made it past the first episode. She was like in the first episode and then she had to leave the show. And then she came back in like season three. He already had that worked out before he even knew that it was going to happen. 
You know who and else did cool. that? <clears throat> George Lucas did that with the original trilogy. And when I read this, I was like, oh, yeah, it's so obvious. But it hadn't occurred to me until I read it, which was he had trapdoor characters as well because he wanted to make sure that he was able to tell his three stories. And he was worried that actors would want too much money or decide that they didn't want to do it anymore. So Harrison Ford, you have a trapdoor character with Lando Calrissian, right? He's literally wearing Han's clothes at the end of Empire Strikes Back. Obi-Wan, like Alec Guinness, not super thrilled about being in Star Wars after it like comes out and blows up. There's a lot of problems negotiating with him. So he makes Yoda. Initially, it was going to be Obi-Wan who trains him and all of this stuff, like that as makes a force sense. ghost. But it's like, nope, let's write in this other character and we'll get Alec Guinness for as much as we can do. The Emperor, trapdoor character for Darth <laughs> Vader, because like he's having so many problems with David Prowse. He's just like, I don't know if we're going to be able to do this and we may not find an actor who can physically do the same things. And there was a lot of tension between Prowse and Lucas Man, over the, Emperor. the years. Yeah. So you write in the Emperor. Emperor is like go to like shit we don't know how to end this trilogy uh emperor electrocutes himself (laughs) yeah uh luke skywalker now here's where the trap door thing goes really ari you have luke skywalker if he can't make it through the thing they end empire strike back like there is another right yep now what the other was and lucas has like changed his intent behind this over the years but there's screenplays to show that he's full of shit. Like, it was supposed to be this other Jedi who was Luke's sister from all the way across the galaxy. And it wasn't going to be Leia. And it wasn't going to be Leia. And then they made and it And so Leia. they had this character in case Mark Hamill didn't want to do others. They could, like, put shunt this character into it. But then what happens is when they do Jedi, they get all their principles into it. So they don't have to worry about it. But he's still got this story. He's got to resolve what Yoda says when he says there is another. And so he's like, well, we could introduce this other character and muddy everything up. Or we can just make it Leia because she's already there. And then it simplifies it. So they go with Leia. Uh, Not the best. Like, that's always the one I think that that hits. I I mean, obviously, they did stuff with it in the future that was fun. But like at the time, it's it's not the best reveal because it feels like it's supposed to be a surprise. And it's just like, really? (laughs) You know (laughs) that uh, Luke was supposed to be a girl originally? I have never heard this. Uh, Early concept art. The one where like Chewie looks like that weird bug-eyed furry guy from yeah, yeah. Rebels, I think it was. Because like Star Wars Rebels actually- Yeah, they went back to the concept It was influenced art. by that original concept. Yeah, In that original concept art, Luke is female. Okay. And it actually, you can tell that, that was part of the script as well because Luke has a lot of actually what are traditionally considered feminine characteristics and solves problems sometimes in ways that a woman would have been written to solve a problem not a man and it's interesting because like what would have star wars been like if luke had been a girl from the very beginning unfortunately know, i don't think it winds might not up have been a success yeah, yeah because you take into but here was my favorite time so when i learned this this i learned this from gail simone uh she tweeted a thing about with an image of the the art and she's like it's amazing to me that uh how few people actually know that luke was originally supposed to be a girl but some random psycho on Twitter replied with something about how, like, no fandom is safe from being infiltrated by men and turned toxic. And I'm like, you know, I don't disagree with what you're trying to say about men infiltrating every single fandom and turning it toxic. But Star Wars was literally created by a man. So I don't think infiltration 
is like the right way to describe it. It's not like men snuck into Star Wars and stole it from women. You know what I mean? Like men created Star Wars. So it's not like an infiltration, a toxic infiltration of a, what would normally be like a, a lovely fandom. And then just like this idea of like the ownership of a fandom as well. Like that's just as toxic as the most toxic masculine thing that guys do every single day, you know? And sure, she's like one toxic woman in a sea of toxic men. So still, I'm still going to give her more of a benefit of the doubt than any of these guys complaining that no, people aren't putting out a trailer for Obi-Wan during the Super Bowl. So... I feel neglected as a Star Wars fan. Like I saw this morning, literally people complaining that they didn't get that. Not only that they didn't get a trailer for Obi-Wan at the Super Bowl, but that there's not going to be any toy or book tie-ins with the Obi-Wan TV show. Like you're not just like catering purely to me as a self-identified Star Wars fan. (laughs) Like, fuck you. Yeah, it's pretty ridiculous. Uh, So I want to tie back to what you were saying about the writer of Babylon 5. A point I wanted to get across was the fact that he had this five season arc that was not done when Babylon Five was out because that was not like the nineties, right? Like nobody did that, not at all. Nobody did that, dude. Deep Space Nine is basically the same show. It's a show that takes place on a space station, and rather than being a space show about exploration, it's a space show about politics and uh, refugees. And it's, it's and- basically the aftermath of a of a of a war. There was an occupation. The Cardassians occupied Bajora. The Bajorans rebelled. The space station Deep Space Nine is a Cardassian space station that's been basically occupied now by the Federation, who are keeping the peace between the Cardassians and the Bajorans. So there's like a Cold War aspect. It's looking at directly at where we were at post-Cold War. Because yes. we had just ended the Cold War. And when I say we had just, I mean like the Soviet Union and the US, Babylon right? like, 5 essentially has the exact same plot. There's like the Norns and there's like a bunch of different alien races, like four or five different alien races that all were fighting against each other in a big war. That war is now over. And the war also ended under mysterious circumstances. So part of the plot is what actually caused the war to end in the first place like nobody really knows it's kind of in the and people were just so relieved that the war was over that they were like let's maybe not dig into this too much because that might reignite things but like just because the war has it's more of a ceasefire than a war's end there's tensions are still very high people are fighting with each other they're they're trying to gain leverage on each other then on the side there's like the head of security because there's like the different factions vying for control. But then there's also like a criminal element on the space station that's just like, let's take advantage of the chaos. And so then there's the security team trying to deal with that. Oh man, all of this sounds like Deep Space Nine. It's exactly the same. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's the same show basically. Um, It's just that one of them takes place in the Star Wars universe and the other one doesn't. Yeah, I would argue uh, that neither of them take place in the Star Wars universe. I mean, yeah, Star Trek, (laughs) Stargate. I got my moment to counter your moment. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I meant to say in the Dancing with the Stars franchise. (laughs) It's a star thing. Star Star is born. (laughs) Star is born. Uh, I can't think of any other star shit. Star search. How about just star? Isn't there a show that a movie just called Star? The odds are. Oh, no, I'm thinking of Sing. I'm thinking of Star 80. I was thinking of like the show where the that where they're like on the 
singing show, but that's sing. To catch a rising star. To catch a predator. (laughs) We've gone away from the star franchise. We've now gone to to the predator franchise. (laughs) There's predator predators to catch a predator. (laughs) What if they named that? What if Disney did that? What if they named their new one like to catch a predator? And it was just a regular predator movie where like. Like what? Like the predator comes in to kill a guy, and but, then Chris Matthews, then Chris, yeah, Chris, Chris Hansen, Hansen Chris just like comes Hansen in. He like, just comes in. And he's just like, "So what were you doing with that?" And he's like, <laughs> "I can't do the noise." You want some candy? Yeah, that is definitely predator talk. You're a predator. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I'm a predator. I am a predator. I'm looking uh, at you in heat vision no, right now. You're a predator in a bad sense. Oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> no, like Kamel. I, speaking of Kamel Nanjiani as well, I just he has a great bit about watching Freddy versus Jason. He has a great stand-up bit, and it's like at one point Freddy has to choose between killing the white girl or the black girl, and he sees the black girl and he goes, "Oh look." Dark meat. Yeah. And then he like goes after the black girl and <laughs> and he's saying like when he saw it in the theater, like there was a backlash from the audience. They like groaned at that. Like we were on board with I, I almost did. I almost did a Kamale voice. I don't want to do a Kamale voice. It's just that I've heard him tell these exact yeah. jokes in that voice. But he's like saying, We were all on board with Freddy Krueger murdering children with his needle gloves, but racism? <laughs> That's too much. A shame on you, Freddy Krueger. Go ahead and murder kids in their dreams, but don't be racist about it. Like, how funny is that? What, like, let me ask you a question. <laughs> what was Camille's superpower in the Eternals? I can't even finger remember. guns. That's right, finger guns. <laughs> and again, to help to help to humanity, help humanity with finger guns. Right. It, and see, that's the other thing. It, so. That was the other thing is the Eternals, their goals. I guess we're really just, I'm just going, I'm torpedoing right back into my career. No, no, I'm leaving you there. (laughs) uh, They actually had three goals. One goal, fake goal, help humanity achieve some sense of like success as a species, right? Fake goal, not real. Second goal, this is a real goal. Help humanity reach a certain population density so that they can then be killed en masse to achieve some energy threshold. Real goal. None of their superpowers help with that. Third goal, the fucking Celestial made another creature first and fucked it up royally. The Deviants were like a huge mistake. And so the Eternals were created to kill Deviants. That's their third express purpose. And that's what I think most of the Eternals were like designed to do was not to help humanity in any way, but just to murder deviants. The motivation of the deviant in this movie, Crow was his name, I think. He is like the most justified. All of his actions are the most justified out of any creature in the movie. That's one of the reasons why I like the movie was because the villain has a point and the villain is also the people you're following in the screen. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's an interesting take on that. That's the kind of stuff that I grabbed onto. But I I just wish they'd actually done something with that. I think all of your criticisms of this are absolutely valid. Like, I see them all. Like, Crow is not a villain. He's a manipulated tragic figure but he's that also is lashing bent, out he's also bent on revenge he's right? lashing out out of extreme because he is suffering he's in extreme pain 
He has the memories of his entire species in his mind, and he has just evolved into being sentient enough. He's like a baby with full control over himself. He's just gained the ability to feel these things. And the feeling of betrayal and intense hurt at not only am I considered a failure by my creator, but he also created an entire uh, set of beings whose express purpose is to genocide me. Like, I, there is no world where, in my mind, where the deviants are in any way evil. It's interesting because they're not evil I, at I all. Read, I read, they're mindless beasts, but when they're given, but they were <clears throat> given sentience. So I read some of the original run of the Eternals, and I don't know if they ever got to this, like, they were actually created to birth a celestial. I don't know if that, any of that I is believe is an MCU. It feels uh, like it's MCU, but I, I can't speak to it for sure. And I do feel like there is a thing where a lot of people don't cop to how much they've read the comics. They read some around it to prepare for it, and they talk about it on a podcast or a YouTube video, but they pretend like they're big fans. I don't think like, anybody read Eternals in preparation of the movie. So I, I, I don't did. think, And I don't think I that you could... I don't think now, reading I did, the comics I would did, help watch this movie. It did not, but I read them when they announced that they were doing the Eternals. I was like, what the fuck is that? And I think <laughs> I think we did a bit on there it. There may have been a few people that read Eternals just to go, what the fuck even is this? Yeah. Because yeah. I, I had read one before and I did not understand what they were and I didn't particularly enjoy it. And it was a newer run. So I was like, let's go back to the Jack Kirby shit. So yeah. I had the Marvel Unlimited app at the time. This was when they first announced it. So this was like going back four years ago, maybe. And I read the first like 10 issues or so that Jack Kirby did. And I was like, OK, so the way that they set it up in that is that basically the Celestials created three sects of life on Earth. One was the deviants, and the deviants just want to dominate everything, okay? The second was the Eternals, and the Eternals, they're more evolved, so they want to travel, they want to bring other creatures and things along. And then the third is humanity. And humanity is the ideal of what the Celestials were trying to get, which was like they wanted something that would want to travel much like the, the deviants did, but they don't want them to see the whole plan, which the Celestials do see the whole plan, right? So, like, the Celestials kind of are out to help the humans from being wiped out by the Deviants because of their goal. But they see too much of it, which the Celestials don't like. They want life to be unaware of them, right? For whatever reason. Yeah. And Because, in my mind, it's because they know how fucking shitty they are at what they do. And they knew that if lesser beings were aware of that, they would just rebel en masse. Yeah, it could be protection, right? Like, if you don't know where Protecting God is, the status you can't quo. kill God. Uh, Kang's the same way. He who remains. Uh, he doesn't want people to know why he's doing what he's doing because they wouldn't go along with with it right as yeah. is illustrated when as soon as the tva figures out that what is really going on it they rebel even though they kind of at the very very end they some reset. rebel and some double they down. reset it yeah. one at one one doubles down the one at the top well we have Ren a lot Slayer of doubles who don't down. know right like uh, from what we what i gathered i just recently rewatched the final episode and from what we gather from the very end the entire tva rebels against Renslayer. she's the only one that like stays loyal to 
the timekeepers or whatever, even though she knows they're not. She's like, there has to be a purpose. She says, they, there has to be a reason that they lied to us and blah, 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 blah. But basically the entire TVA rebels against. But then after Sylvie pushes him through the portal and sh- stabs he who remains, the statue is changed from the timekeepers and they don't recognize him. Like uh, Owen Wilson doesn't recognize Tom Hiddleston. So it's like shit has already changed. When he goes through that portal, everything is different. And we don't know how it's different yet. We'll have to wait for season two. Now, let me ask, re-watching some Loki, did it diminish in your eyes? Is it stronger? Is it, it about the is same? It is about the same. That's good, because we had a very high opinion of it. it. Those last two episodes, too. So Fuck, good. Man. They're bangers, man, for Ugh. sure. Like, also, I think it's fucking hilarious how often Loki, like, whips his hair back. Like, just thrusts his head up and, like, whips his hair out of his face. Oh, yeah. Like, that is so Loki. They all his have. His hair has to be a little bit wet for that to work. They it has all to be a little have bit wet all the time. These moves <laughs> that they do, too, right? Black Widow, I thought, was kind of hilarious in that they pointed out hers, which was that pose that the three point stands that she yeah. basically lands in and Florence Pugh makes M- fun of it. And, that, and then, em, and then, and then emulates, it. It, emulates it in the T in the Hawkeye show, which is fun. Cause it shows like she's a human being. She can make fun of something and still do it. She herself. also loves her sister. Yeah. Right. It's like a little bit of an homage to her, to yeah. her dead sister. Fuck. That show was good. Hawkeye holds up. Although I will say that the daredevil stuff, the, King I don't know, the Kingpin stuff, it feels a little shoehorned in a little bit, like just forced in. They didn't, they, they, I feel like they could have massaged around it a little bit more to like make it fit. It's so They're funny just because dropping people, it in. Can I just say like people like made such a big deal out of the it's Kingpin cool. thing and we did too, but it was it's also cool. like he was in, he was really only in one episode outside of like glimpses. You and, know what I mean? And also you don't really get to see him. You, I would, and it's not I would about liked, him. I would have liked a little bit of explanation as to how he got where he is just a little bit like that's where you get the echo show i guarantee you're going to show where echo's coming up right uh do you think we'll see charlie cox and echo yes i feel like charlie cox going forward in in the next phase of the mcu he's going to be that guy that's in a bunch of shit a bunch like, of Disney that doesn't have his shit, own show, but is yeah. in so many other properties. Like <clears throat> we're gonna see him in She-Hulk. We're gonna see him in fucking probably the next Spider-Man. We're gonna see him in Echo. We're gonna see. I him have in- my doubts. We're gonna see him in the next Spider-Man because it's a Sony joint. I just don't know that they're gonna do that again. But yeah. and what connection does he even have to him anymore? They've all forgotten well, about. Well, I feel Parker. like what they need to do is they need to establish Kingpin as a Spider-Man villain. They could, they but I'm not to. sure. I'm not they sure. They need to because in you the comics. You think that they need to, but I'm not so sure because I think Disney Plus wants to use Kingpin. I really do. I think yes, they want they him they absolutely there. do. And but so I think they're hesitant to throw him over to Sony. We've al- I've already heard that like Tom Holland wants Spider-Man and Daredevil to team up. And sure, but I've also heard against- him say he wants Miles Morales in. He wants him to like train another Spider-Man. Like all this, he said a lot of shit. Well, I want it too. Is what I'm saying. I want to see Spider-Man and Daredevil team up on a street level. Fucking none of this going into space. None of this super crazy time tra- or multiverse stuff. I just want to see a street level Spider-Man movie where him and Daredevil team up to take on Kingpin. And then, so you want to see the TV movie, but done better? Yeah, and I want to see the Kingpin hiring a bunch of fucking P 
people to take out Spider-Man and Daredevil, like Scorpion and fucking. I want to see Scorpion because that and actor, Shocker. Can I just say and, that actor that they got? Uh, he's in Better Call Saul, and he's fucking phenomenal. And I really want his Scorpion to be entered like reintroduce, I guess, because they just show him with the scorpion tattoo. Yep. And they, they and drop he, that he's Matt Gargan. Yep. Right. And he talks to Vulture, right? Yes, in Vulture prison. in the prison. Yeah. But I want to see him because that actor is so good. Yep. And like some people know who he is because of Better Call Saul, but like I don't think he's truly broken out yet. And this is a dude I think could have like a great career if he could get something like this. Yeah. And I feel like Sony might be hesitant on it because he's not a big name. But I'd say like Spider Man is fucking in all of this proof like yeah. it, it's gonna do well no matter what so fucking throw Matt Gargan in it but probably they're gonna double down on multiverse stuff I yeah. almost guarantee it because I mean that is the thrust of the overall plot going forward right of the next phase of the MCU maybe like but it might just be this phase too and a lot of this might just that's be what I mean is Spider-Man this, up, was this, coming out the phase you know? that we're embarking on we're oh, still yes. at the beginning I think we're four. still fairly early into the this phase i think we're close to wrapping up phase four i think we've got like another year and then it's wrapped i, what? Th- I think yeah dude think of how much we've gotten it's just been compressed like we've gotten okay so we got wandavision we, even, uh, we got loki we got uh what if we got falcon and the winter soldier yeah but all we got of that Hawkeye. is setting up we got black it's, that's all building Widow. there's no i know but the, i mean like i think we're almost done with phase four you think phase four saying. is all build up and then, like, what phase five is going to be like? Okay, well, what's phase one? Phase one is basically like, let's introduce you to everybody and then have them team up at the end, right? But there was a big bad, like, phase one ends with Avengers. I mean, right? Loki's kind of the big bad of phase one, though, if you really think yeah. about it, right? Yeah. And like, and he's introduced. But I mean, already. like, there's just like a, and then Than, like, Kang is the new Thanos, right? I don't know. Like, I, Initially, we were I, all assuming it, and I it's feel like very Kang possible. It's very possible that he is, but it's also very possible that he's not, and that we're making a big thing out of it because we're at the beginning of it, and we can't see what the grand plan is yet because it hasn't been laid out. Like I'm trying to keep in mind, we're in the like. It sounds like Kevin Feige is thinking this out as he did the first three phases, which is like this is the introductory phase. So. They're introducing the multiverse seems to be a thing that's pretty heavy into this phase. And they're introducing new characters because honestly, like the MCU, when you get into phase five and six, it's going to be dominated by characters that were not present in the first yeah. three phases. I uh, I have a prediction going forward based on when I watched that last episode and I listened to He Who Remains His Little Monologue, which fucking was so, so good. good. So good, dude. Uh, Jonathan. He was Jonathan. Made, yeah. It. He was at one point he's talking about other versions of himself and he's like he throws out words that are clues to Marvel fans. Like he says, some versions of me just want to conquer. Well, Kang the Conqueror. Right. right? He also throws out the word annihilate. Right. So annihilation. Annihilus so is not Kang the Conqueror. Annihilus is his own being from the negative zone, which has not been explored. In the MCU, the only time that negative zone has ever been even broached in movies was in Fantastic Four. Fant Four Stick. Right. They went with the negative zone version of instead of going into space and getting hit with gamma radiation, they go to the negative negative zone and get hit with the. And then somehow powers. the invisible woman who's not allowed to go also gets powers because she's near the portal. Yeah, let's just not even get into <laughs> Fant Four Stick. Uh, 
Well, you did yeah. it. No, I, I don't mean I don't want to get into <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, fair. But uh, that's the only time we've my really spec- seen it. Here's my zone. prediction: is that instead of making Annihilus his <clears throat> own character, Annihilus is going to be a Kang variant. And I think that what they're going to do is they're going to introduce Kang the Conqueror as like a slightly more dangerous version of He Who Remains, and then farther down the road they're going to introduce Annihilus as like the most evil version of Kang. And I think we're going to get into the Annihilation storyline, albeit heavily, heavily modified as at least as modified as the Civil War storyline. Dude, let's be, let's be like honest, man. The Infinity Saga is completely yeah, different. Yeah. It's, it's an, it's, There's a couple milestones be, that they hit, and that's yeah, about it. They'll take certain beat story beats will stay in, but the vast majority of the story is completely different, which I'm totally fine with. That's what they do. That's what they've done very successfully, is like get to the core of what the story is about and then change the details around it. Yeah. And the reason why it didn't work with superhero stuff before the MCU quite often was because they took a storyline that people were familiar with and they just pulled elements, but they didn't get to the core of what that was about often, you know? Yeah. And the MCU is like, what is the core here? And then they build around it. Yeah. So we had a pretty good conversation here of reevaluating superhero stuff, I think. I just want to reiterate this. I think right now that King is the big bad going forward. I really do. I just, I'm mindful that because we're in phase four, it just might not be the case. He might be a stepping stone to something bigger, but I'm not saying that that's the case. My gut tells me right now it's probably Kang. I'm just trying to take the thousand yard view and be like, maybe that's, he's just the big bad of phase four or like a big bad that bows down to something else. Maybe they're working towards Galactus or something, you know? Or maybe it's something that we're not even considering right now. Maybe it's a celestial thing. Maybe it's something we haven't seen at all. Like, it's it's all possible for sure. But um, I'm kind of interested for when Phase 4 ends to kind of go back and take stock. And I think that would be worthwhile to take a few minutes on the podcast and actually, like, examine all of these properties and what's the common string. Or is it just too soon to see it, you know? Yep. What do I want to talk about? All sorts of stuff. Why do I have to talk about any one thing? Here's Carl's rambles. Here's a ramble. Ned is the worst. You know what I'm talking about? You're talking about the guy in the chair. The guy in the chair that Spider-Man has never needed up until these more recent Spider-Mans. Never needed this guy. He needed a friend. But not Ned. Ned is not a good friend. Ned is literally his only friend Ned other is than a, MJ in the second Ned movie. Ned is a terrible friend. Why? Because he talks without listening. He doesn't ever do anything actually helpful. He unlocks the training be, wheel programs for Peter. Like Peter's like, I really like this girl, MJ. And then Ned's like, we're going to be bachelor buddies on this tour. And then he's like, <laughs> actually, I've completely changed my mind. Instead, I'm going to be insufferable, babe this, babe that, for an entire movie with this girl. Honestly, Carl. at the end of the trip when it's over, I'm going to act like a smug asshole and be like, oh, when you're older, you'll understand that some things are meant to be temporary. Honestly, Carl, that was my favorite part because that just like encapsulated high school. It's the worst. It's so great. It's so fucking stupid. Made me laugh so much. That girl... 
It's just comic relief. Is hilarious as like Betty Brant. The news girl on yeah. the TV show. She's so funny. Like the one guy's like, before the blip, my brother was younger than me. Now he's bigger than me. That's so crazy. And she's like, Yeah, that's yeah, how math that's works. That's math. <laughs> like <laughs> she's hilarious. By the way, who do you like better? That Betty Brant or the one in the first Spider-Man trilogy? Oh no, I like this one. I don't even remember that one. I like the Betty Brant from the Tom Holland ones. I think she's great. There are things about the Tom Holland Spider-Mans that are like my favorite things of all the Spider-Mans. Like I really like the teachers, like how they're all comedy people. Got Hannibal Burris, JB Smoove, and the white guy's name escapes me. Yeah, the guy, the guy from, from Silicon uh, Valley. Yeah, yeah. Martin Starr. Martin Starr. Uh, and Elizabeth Banks was the other. Elizabeth Betty, Banks. Betty Brand. I was trying to think of. Like, I like the actress She's, better, I like, but like, she doesn't do a whole lot in those movies. I like Elizabeth Banks, but yeah, no, she's forgettable not used at all she was never forgettable to me but only because i've liked that actress for a long time so i saw her and i was like great but they never gave her more sure yeah and they give that girl a lot to work with and yeah in all three of the new spider-man she's in all three and she's got good moments in all three of them they Uh, have a really good supporting cast pretty fond of the moment when the teachers are welcoming spider-man back in no way home (laughs) and while they're just sucking up to him particularly martin Starr, just sucking up hannibal's like she was right you murderer (laughs) that actually annoyed me well it makes sense because that guy guy doesn't trust superheroes though because if you think about the first one they're watching that captain america fitness video and then he's like that guy's a war criminal but whatever so like it's established (laughs) that he doesn't trust the superheroes yeah he's and they're calling him a conspiracy (laughs) theorist it's just that little bit of world building that i appreciate but ned sucks ned dropped the fucking lego death star and broke it yeah it was an accident he's selfish he is stupid well he's gullible so is Peter Parker. In right. The second so do one. we really need two of those? <laughs> redundant. Yeah, because, you know why? You know He's why? Redundant. Because hold on. We got so much of the sad sack Peter Parker who has no friends. Like we got five movies of that. It was really nice to see him actually have a friend who is in it with I him. just wish like, his friend wasn't the worst. That's all I'm saying. I'm his glad he wasn't the worst. I am glad Harry Osborne is the worst in every way. Not when he has amnesia. <laughs> Still played okay. by an awful canceled the actor. The actor who plays Ned is a better human being than the actor that plays Harry. I'll Maybe. G- we, I, we never know. <laughs> but uh, that's not what we're discussing here. Ned sucks as a person. As a character, Ned sucked. Spider-Man, Peter Parker deserves better friends. You're going to say Ned. this right now, and then someday Ned's going to come up in a glider and just impale you, dude. <laughs> You're going to eat those words. Even though he promised him that he wouldn't betray him and become a super He's not going to remember making that promise. That's the thing. But he also doesn't remember being his friend. So I kind of hope there's no guy in the chair in the next Spider-Man. I just want more Ned. I'm a fan of Ned, dude. I hope they scale his character way the fuck back. I think they need to scale a lot of these sidekick characters way the fuck back. My number... One or two issue with Love and Thunder was too much Korg. Way too much Korg. Yeah, I think I'm just opposite of you on this because, like, I like Korg. And the thing with Peter Parker is, like, I love the supporting cast and I love the lengths that they went to establish the supporting cast. But I like how wide the supporting cast is. Yeah. And when you give too much attention to 
one of your supporting casts? Because he's like bigger on the call sheet. Like in the first one, you need Peter to be able to have conversations about what's going on rather than having voiceover. And so Ned's a good way into that. And in the second one, he's comic relief because it could get super (sighs) negative because it's like after Endgame, right? That makes me even more angry that Sony is in control of Spider-Man because if MCU just had the full rights, it didn't have to worry about placement. You know who Spider-Man could fucking commiserate with instead of stupid Ned? He could fucking bullshit with Kate Bishop. He I mean, could he's be still, friends with. If hold he on, could if fucking the MCU, go on adventures with Yelena. If the MCU and, oh, wants God. that, they can still do that anytime <sighs> they want in those. Not movies. without getting Sony's grubby little stupid figures all MCU over it. MCU gets to choose who they put in from their own yeah, sandbox, but, but Sony makes it, and Sony, Sony consistently fucking Sony pays sh- for it. Sucks shit. Hold on, Sony pays for it. Disney makes it. That's what's you know. In No Way Home, there's a moment that I feel like supports my belief that on some philosophical level, the Sony movies are not the same. They're not on the same level as the MCU movies, including the Spider-Mans. There's that moment when and or Peter Parker and Doctor Strange and Wong are sitting there and like somebody, I forget who says what, but somebody says something sort of off the cuff that gives Strange the brilliant idea to do a worldwide forgetting spell. And make everybody in the world forget that Peter Parker is Spider-Man. I thought Peter Parker literally Wong, just asked him. No, 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 no. Because <laughs> uh, oh, you mean at Peter the beginning Parker of the movie? wants to go back in okay, time. Okay, I thought you meant. I thought you no, meant. Yeah, later. No, yeah, no, no, no. Okay, I got gotcha. you. This is I the beginning you. of the movie. Okay. Peter Parker wants to go back in time. Doctor Strange's like, no, I don't even have the time stone. He's like, oh yeah, sad face. And then Wong's just like, ah, forget it or something like that. And then Doctor Strange's like, Mo, oh, that gave me an idea. Bleh. Which, dumb. Wong at that point is like, no, that's incredibly dangerous. And then Strange says, oh, we've used that spell for insignificant things before. Don't you remember that party at Camertage? And he's like, no. And he's like, exactly. Right. Dumb. Oh, he goes, <laughs> I'm going to do the spell. And he's like, don't do the spell. And he's like, I'm going to do the spell. And then Wong goes, fine, fucking leave me out of it. And then right. he vanishes through the, st- and that is like Marvel going. Okay, Sony, have fun with your fucking no, dumbass you're movie. You're wrong. No, no, no. Philosophically, I, not business wise. I still think you're wrong because I found out Kevin Feige was talking with John Watts and whoever wrote it, and they were trying to crack who the villain of the next one would be, and they really wanted to do Doctor Octopus, and they just were like, "Man, it sucks because Alfred Morelli was the perfect Doctor Octopus, and we're just." never going to find somebody who does that good of a job. And then they were like, oh, what if we wrote it around to where we could have Alfred Morelli and de-age him? Like that that <laughs> was the name? Colonel Alfred Morelli, isn't it? What, what's his name again? I don't know. You tell me. <laughs> it's Alfred Molina. Oh, Molina. Sorry. Anyway, <laughs> that was saying. the kernel of the idea. This was not Sony trying to get in the Sinister Six. And you will notice that there's only five. <laughs> so, <laughs> we, I think they, they were just tried like, and failed to... St- kickstart a sinister six movie with the amazing spider-man yeah and they definitely were still trying they're still trying they just filed some paperwork that indicates that they're going to make it into a property sure and that's fine whatever yeah whatever like shit yeah they're they're dirtbag i still haven't seen universe i still haven't seen venom 2 i still haven't seen morbius i still haven't seen 
controversial take, but it shouldn't be. Morbius is better than so Venom too. It turns out, <laughs> it turns out that this Madam Web movie is going to be like chronologically taking place before Spider Man, and that's why Madam Web is a young lady and not an old lady because they're going back in time to when she was a young lady. They're doing an origin story. Guess who Adam Scott is rumored to be playing in the Madam Web movie? Adam Scott? Are we going the Topher Grace direction? Of Severance. Like, no, actually. Villains? No, no. He's playing a character that is not like an action. Oh. I'll give you that. Is it, so he's not a superhero. Is it, okay, so it is a known Spider-Man character? Oh, yes. Okay. A very important one. Robbie Robertson? Nope. <laughs> that would be Think awful. Think about it. If this they... is... <laughs> Before Spider-Man is time. This is a prequel to Spider-Man. Is it Ben Parker? It's Ben Parker. Jesus Christ, dude. Adam Scott as a young Ben Parker. And I read an article, the article that I read about Why do we have to have Ben Parker This is a rumor. This This is a rumor. It may not be true. Okay. But. It's probably not. It actually makes a lot of sense for two reasons. One, I can't imagine Adam Scott playing a superhero. But (laughs) (laughs) a young Ben Parker makes a lot of sense as a character that Adam Scott would play. But also, and this is the argument that the article was making. I actually agreed with this article quite a bit. The only time we've ever seen Uncle Ben is like a couple of days before he dies and then he dies. And that's the only time we've ever seen or heard Uncle Ben. He doesn't exist as a fully fleshed character. He is this... He is this this one dimensional dying ultimate, I will sacrificial say, lamb. I will say the one the one he must exception. die so that Superman may be born. The, and the one exception can we not see more of him? The more one of his exception life? is What's wrong Brian Michael Bendis's run on the Ultimate Spider Man. He starts out really really fleshing out Ben and May. Ben gets a big part of probably eight issues before he bites it which i know is not a lot they spent the time to make you feel it when uncle uncle ben dies it's still so but your example i'm saying that's the only time we got to spend time time, that's the most time we've gotten to spend with him it's still the same part of his life i'm saying i am saying that like they didn't spend a lot of well it's like a couple months yeah in the ultimate comics it's a couple months you know they're gonna end with him dying or like inferring that he's gonna die so well you know i feel like at some point doesn't somebody have to tell him with great power comes great responsibility so that so it turns out he can pass that along to it turns out that that line is wrong i heard that they said with great power must come great responsibility in the the new one and I was like why can't you just say the line right turns out that is how they say it in the comics I read that in all the marvels they were like the much misquoted line with great power must come great responsibility there's an extra word in there when you retell an origin story a million times it gets told differently each time so which one are you quoting the original who cares what if you're quoting the first movie or the second movie or that's just what the comics the do ultimate all the time. comics or yeah. the earth one comic or whatever it's just apparently it's what they always say in the comics it's just like people for some reason throw out the must i mean taking that word out is fine it doesn't make it wrong it just makes it different variation yeah paraphrased it does feel a little wordy i stand by with great power comes great responsibility i like that better (laughs) what follows from great power can only be great responsibility or you can do the amazing spider-man line reading where he's like 
well, Peter, when you're older, there's a, there's a responsibility and, and you, well, you're a man, you're changing and you'll yeah, feel Martin things Sheen and you'll get like, uh, certain, certain duties that you have to do. And those duties stroke. will have certain things that you have to pay off. And <laughs> yeah, Martin Sheen kind of rambles that line out, doesn't he? Yeah. Cause it was a fucking bad script. <laughs> I like, that's probably of all the things in the time. Andrew Garfield is so goddamn fun in No Way Home. He is, dude. It it really is a redemptive arc for him. When I rewatched No Way Home, I found myself being like, a lot of this that I was fine along for the ride the first time I saw it in the theater, like on rewatch, a lot of this is making me annoyed. I gotta be um, honest, dude. I'm not sure you were fine with a lot. Like go back and listen. I, I want you to go back and listen to the episodes <laughs> where we talk about it. No, you I were mean, not kind. I, no, no, no. I mean like in you, you the have, moment. You found more to criticize? No, no. In the moment <laughs> okay. watching it, I was enjoying it. Even though I found a lot to criticize immediately afterwards, that doesn't mean I wasn't like along for the ride. The initial time I watched it. Okay. All right. Watching it subsequently. By the time you got behind Mike, you were very much against it. Yeah. And I, you know, with a lot of these more modern ones, I kind of waffle back and forth. I do find myself liking the shows better because they're less action focused and more character focused. And I prefer that. (laughs) Falcon Winter Soldier rewatched that recently. Did it move up in your rankings when you rewatched it? I think it did. Like Disney Plus show? Um, I felt like an insane person. I seemed to be the only person that really, really liked it. And I heard the opinion that it wasn't very good for so long that I just started to think maybe. People think it's boring. You just have to like certain characters. You know, like, and also I think that, I think some people watch some of this stuff out of order too. Because like, there was this funny post I saw on Reddit the other day where somebody was like, was there a moment from one of the stories that turned you around on a character? And they're like, for me, it was this one. And it was the scene where Falcon is running through the building as it's coming down in Winter Soldier. And then he jumps. And he's like, 41st floor. I said 40. He's like, well, they don't number them on the outside of the building. You know, like uh, Maria Hill and, and, uh, and Fury catch him with the right. helicopter. And I was thinking about like, that's the movie that introduces the character. What do you mean turn you around on a character you've literally just met? Oh, I was sleeping on this character for the first two thirds of the movie that introduced him. But then this scene really turned me around on him. No, the mo- you liked him from the beginning because you like him from the movie that he showed up in. Right. Like that's an ins. So they must have like seen Infinity War and fucking Ant-Man probably and seen Falcon in those movies and been like, eh, Falcon's not so great. And then they see him in like this movie. They're like, oh, wait a minute. You know, that's the only thing that makes sense to me. Otherwise you're just like an idiot <laughs> or you like blurring all the black characters together. And you're like, when he was war machine, he bored me. But now that he's Falcon, <laughs> you're like, no, uh. those are two different guys, man. <laughs> they don't even look alike. <laughs> I man. know. it's ridiculous. <laughs> I would say war machine doesn't even look alike from Iron Man one to Iron Man two. <laughs> no, no. I, he must've gone undergone extensive plastic. Yeah. Cause he looks very different. Looks he looks so different. He, for some I'm reason, Don Cheadle racist. Cause I, he doesn't like, look Don Cheadle did a really good job in the first one of like going outside of himself. And then it, I guess he just got comfortable and really 
did the Don Cheadle thing after that because he seems so different. Of all the movies, I think the one that's probably lowered in my Age of Ultron is now my least favorite. Uh, of all of them? Of all of them. I don't like what they do with most of the characters. I think Black Widow is done so dirty in that movie. So dirty. So mischaracterized, like constantly going up to like Hulk to Banner and being like, ooh, I'm going to flirt with you. There's this nerd that I think's cute. And then the nerd's like, huh, what? Who? Did somebody like somebody? I'm just, I'm too dumb to know when somebody's flirting with somebody else. It's just Joss Whedon wish fulfillment. Yeah. Which I didn't recognize as clearly at the time as I do now looking back on Joss Whedon and his whole career. And it's like, I can say this just does these gross things over and over and over. I can say if you go back to Montague skies, I put together like a three hour podcast when infinity war was going. Oh, okay. Where I like cut together the first two and a half hours, I think were like clips from previous episodes where we were talking about various Marvel stuff. And then the last half hour was reviewing Infinity War. And I listened to that not too long ago. And I can say, like, I was definitely on the Joss Whedon, why the fuck are you doing this train? I didn't realize he was a creep yet. But, like, I was like, it sucks that you center Black Widow as the girl in every way that you do it. Because, basically, like, she has to date somebody because she's a girl. Like, there was no other good reason in that. Like, we have a female in there, so now we can have a romantic plot. And not only is Banner oblivious to Black Widow hitting on him captain america's like i've seen her flirt up close he's like what do you mean up close like it's just bad weed and dialogue i did do the rewatch uh at some point during the pandemic and it's still thor the dark world is my least favorite one it's that one just feels like it should be on tbs all the time james spader is pretty solid as ultron i mean avengers 2 is like in my bottom five for sure it's like what's your bottom five in no particular order uh mine's like the incredible hulk iron man 2 (laughs) thor the dark world avengers 2 for iron man 2 just because i like mickey rourke going i want my board i like board there's things that i really love about iron man 2 but (laughs) it's like it's in my bottom five i'm sorry (laughs) no that's fair I can't even think of what the fifth one is. Oh, no, it's Ms. Marvel. I got to be honest. There was only maybe two episodes I vibed with out of that whole show. If we're including the Disney Plus shows, I'd probably put that somewhere in my five. I don't even know the order for it, but those are the five I enjoyed the least, I think. And I didn't hate any of them. I just, they're yeah, at the bottom. That one is a t- it's tough for me because the I think my bottom five are not necessarily the least. They're all down there for different reasons is the thing there's and there's even movies in my bottom five that i enjoyed yeah watching and still enjoy watching but i think does stuff wrong what an arrogant opinion to have about this thing that i've contributed nothing towards you know yeah <laughs> it's not so much that it does stuff wrong for me it's just like i don't my enjoyability is at their lowest levels during those movies and iron man 2 i really liked for a long time but now i like look at the things that i like the least and it's definitely in that five <laughs> i think that civil war and winter soldier are really 
well-crafted, but I think that they also established this tone for the MCU that was like, this is it. The Russo brothers. They were the ones that had the first really, really like, okay, they've hit their groove with the MCU, with like Winter Soldier. Yeah. And then I would say with Civil War again, and then with the Infinity War Endgame. They nailed the ending. They fucking that. killed all of those movies. But this dude, is the honestly. thing, though. This is the but thing. Makes is that harder. they established this tone that now if a Marvel movie doesn't match the Russo brothers' tone, they're like, they've really gotten lazy with their movies. And it's like, guess See, what? The Russo brothers' Marvel movies have lazy shit in them as well. They're not perfect. They should not well, be the formula. That's the problem. It's the fans that are sending the benchmark, not the Russos. The Russos are making their movies and then the fans have decided that these movies are the benchmark. As a comic book reader, I love tons of characters. I love having a splash page with a ton of characters. My favorite stories are not always the ones with tons of characters. Sometimes it's something like Craven the Last Hunt where he beats up Spider-Man, buries him alive, takes his suit, goes out and like tries to be Spider-Man for a night and then kills himself because he has nothing to live for anymore and then Spider-Man has to like crawl out of the grave. That is a fucking well-contained story. There's not a ton of reach over and it's a story that you can only really do with one because uh, if you put in the Avengers, it doesn't work anymore. I think that you like a Craven story where it, he's a good guy and it's the Sony spum. And you're, oh, I can't wait, dude. And you're pro spum. I'm so excited, dude. I can't wait because as we know in Squirrel Girl, he's not a bad guy That's anymore. That's your new nickname. Squirrel, Squirrel Girl like spum. turned him around right like that's part of the <laughs> she just she just pointed out the flaw in his belief that spider-man was the greatest right so i hope target i really hope they give ryan north credit for this craven movie that they're making because i'm pretty sure spider-man's not going to be in it yeah i don't think so but i don't think squirrel girl's going to be in it either no so they need and to give ryan north some credit the last time they tried to bring squirrel girl to the small screen it made it to pilot and then never even aired the pilot but Melena Vaintraub was who they cast as Squirrel Girl in the pilot of that show. I think it was Young Warriors or something like that. New Warriors. New Warriors. And in this Squirrel Girl podcast that did see the light of day, Melena Vaintraub also voiced Squirrel Girl there. So she seems to be clinging to that role as tenaciously as she possibly can. And she may get the chance to be Squirrel Girl on the big screen. I will say, Although too. she's getting older and older. All the Marvels was very glowing about Squirrel Girl. Had quite a few pages dedicated to Good. Squirrel Girl. There was a section that was dedicated. About the Ryan North or the history of it the was, character? Well, it was specifically... And it did get into the history of the characters, but it was uh, Squirrel Girl and Ms. Marvel because they both launched about the same time. They both had different tones and they were both aimed at younger girls. So, like, he put that in a chapter because it was right at a time where Marvel was really trying to expand and look beyond just, like, boys, you know? Right. So, yeah, good things to say. This is probably a good podcast. We got quite a bit And here. another thing. Never mind, I'm just kidding. <laughs> All right, take it easy.
All right. So that's the show. Everything's got to come to an end. We're ready for this to come to an end. So once again, please check out our Patreon page. It would be a great thank you to us if you could just pay the five bucks to listen to the content we worked really hard on. And I'll see you in Fields of Glory. Please rate and review our show. Sign up for an Anchor account and you can leave voice messages through a link in the description of the podcast or you can answer our poll questions. Reach out to us through Instagram at redwood underscore sound underscore labs or Facebook at facebook.com slash redwood sound labs. Email us at notsafernetwork at gmail.com. Not Safer Network was created and hosted by Carl Borneman, Brandon Beardsley, and Alex Small. Produced by Aaron Donaldson and Alex Small. Zach and Matt are two veteran horror movie enthusiasts discussing their favorite and not-so-favorite horror films. Scary movie fans beware, or listen to Watch No Evil. News, reviews, and deep dives of the television series and film franchises you love. Take a tour of the popular media world with Biggs and Brandon on Not Safe for Network. Charles is a Purple Heart recipient and cinematographer. Aaron is a professor and critical cultural scholar. Together, they explore the narrative, affective, and production politics of war cinema on The Real War Project. That's R-E-E-L, War Project. You can find all of these shows wherever you find your podcasts. You can find all of these shows on Redwood Sound Labs. Redwood Sound Labs.